ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talks Amy. Tavis Kane, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on ATV Talk. Thank you so much. I know how busy you are this time of year, and I, I really appreciate you uh, carving out some time in your schedule for us. Um, I know that this time of the year for you is crazy. Um, not everybody knows what you do, but I'm sure you'll get into that a little bit here during the show and let us know um, or let everybody else know. Uh, it's been almost 20 years since I've spoken to you. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time, man. <laughs> well, time. It's, it, it's 20 years too long, in my opinion. But yep. everybody's got to do the things they got to do. And, um, you know, the last time I seen you, we were at a racetrack together. I don't even remember where. I think it was in Ohio. Yeah, I can't remember the last race we honestly were at together. I'd agree with that, but I can remember the last conversation I ever had with you. That's the one thing that stuck with me forever. So um, for you, sure. I didn't forget it either. Yeah, it was uh, it was abrupt and short. That's for sure. It was. It was. I think it was uh, what maybe a two minute phone conversation and that was it. That's what I remember of it. Yeah. So. It, it, yeah. And then. Uh, uh, I guess uh, I guess Lauren and your dad had some conversations. What is that in the background? Yeah, come here, lady. Come on. So we got. Anyways, come here, lady. Oh, so we got this little munchkin right here. My daughter is uh, eight years old, nine, I think now. But uh, anyways, we have two huge rots, and she talked us into getting this little thing with the rots that, that uh, runs the house. Yeah, totally. So feed it. <laughs> yeah. That's where you'll probably hear in the background. So anyways, get back to what you're saying. Yeah, I think that uh, your dad and Lauren had some conversations and uh, we borrowed your motorhome and truck because, or in your quad because it was back east and uh, raced it in, um, gosh, I think it was New Jersey for the last round of the WPSA. Yeah, yep. 
Yeah, I don't know if my father's spoken to any guys. He hasn't really said much either to me. Kind of, you know, we haven't said a whole lot. Now, I don't know if he's talked to you or Lauren or anything. He hasn't said anything, but no, I haven't. I I haven't spoken to any of you. You know. Okay. I mean, um, same with Fred. We uh, we loaded Fred up, and uh, after a show, he came down. We loaded Fred up, and he drove to you, and that was it. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Fred was here for quite a while, actually. Um, I think he was at our wedding, actually, because, yeah, we got married that year when I quit. And, uh, yeah, he was there and all that, and then he left afterwards. So, yeah, it was, uh, like you said, short, abrupt, and uh, one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life, I would have to say, when that call came from you and the decision I made. Um, did, and did to be honest it's haunted me for years, man. It really has. Um, you know, I've never quit anything in my life, to be honest. Uh, I tried to quit football my freshman year in high school because I've never played it, you know, and uh, so did soccer, basketball and all that. And I remember uh, going through hell week my freshman year in high school and going, what the hell is this? <laughs> going, this is a horrible sport. <laughs> you know, we're three weeks in and puke in our dude this is not fun he uh showed up on guidelines this isn't for us you know and seeing him over there and made us not you know basically standing there going you're not giving up <laughs> you know going you're not quitting and it turns out that was uh probably my favorite sport I've ever done. Uh, I got two MVP awards through high school, my sophomore year and senior year in high school. And, uh, my favorite sport ever. I'm glad I never gave it up and, uh, just never gave up any sport. Just our family's always been that way. You know, you just, you enter something, you don't give up, you don't quit, you don't, you know, you go through it. And, um, yeah, so I, I mean, you're going to get more out of me if you ask more. Um, I'm not the best at. Well, you know. well, basically, our conversation was, um, and, and I really don't like talking about this much without his consent, but I, I asked if you'd heard about Jeremiah, and you said no, what happened? And I said that he'd gotten hurt, and you said how bad, and I told you, and you said, um, tell Lauren I'm done. I got to go. And that was it. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much, you know, I was trying to remember that conversation we had too. And that's kind of what I got out of it too. I mean, I think I remember you asking me, do you want to go to, I don't know where we were. I asked if you had tickets. I asked yeah. if you had tickets. Yeah. And I can't remember where we were going next. I think it was um, New Jersey. Might've been. But yeah, I remember, I can remember I was, I remember the road I was on. I remember everything about that phone call and just, and there was a lot leading up to that point in my life with racing. And we'll dive into that. I think a little bit what led up to that point and that decision. But when that call came through and you told me that about Jeremiah um, and you asked me that, I can remember you asking, I know you did. Do you want to go to the next race? And I remember pausing and just going, I don't, you know, I just don't, 
I can go. I'm wasting your money and our time, everybody's time. Um, my heart, I just remember at that point going, I am done. I'm just done. You know, that just, that was honestly just a devastating blow to me when I heard that with Jeremiah. Um, there was a lot leading up to that point in the, in my career, I think, um, you know, with, uh, were were you heading towards retirement anyways? I think so. I mean, you know, being older and you look back and you, you understand your whole career, what you did say. And, um, yeah, I would say that whole last year, my mind wasn't in it. You know, I think you guys might've known that a little bit too. I don't know, but at least for me, yeah, I think I was more out there just riding, you know, there were some, moves, there were some moves that you didn't make that you could have made. During, during some of the races and yeah. it was never for me to call you out or call a rider out on what they were doing on the track because that's a very um i mean you're the guy putting yourself on the line not me so who am i to say hey why didn't you make that pass or why didn't you do that jumping well jumping was never an issue for you anyways even no. if your mind wasn't and you'd still jump higher and farther than everybody else so yeah for yeah. sure that was never the issue it was just uh when you're at that level of what we were doing and to be honest i've been out of the atv world for quite a while you know when that happened I just kind of checked out um and recently since my son was born and he learned what I was doing and he actually watches the races still and I'll watch them with them and we're kind of getting you know more back into the quad stuff we're in dirt bikes now obviously but uh we still follow it and watch it and um you know I lost my train of thought there come back to me for that question <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are you getting are you getting old on me maybe dude i got a lot going on man <laughs> come back to that question again how old were you how old are your kids let's let's get that out of the way okay the, uh my boy is 12 going on 13 my daughter's nine wow so, yeah yeah i have a grandson that's 12 years old that's 12 okay yeah gonna be 13 in december yeah, same age. Yeah, so <laughs> it's been a couple of days. So yeah. uh, if 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 we go backwards a little bit in time, you know, and and not talk so much about the end, and let's talk more about the beginning. Um, I don't exactly know how that we got tied up with you. I think that Lauren ran into you guys at the nationals, um, and you were riding a lot with Dana Creech at the time. Yeah, so how I got started, honestly, was uh, just a, I'll just give you a quick thing. My my parents' best friends named the McAdees gave us like a, I think it was like a 250EX freaking rancher quad, you know, back when I was, shoot, 12 years old or something. And they let us borrow the dang thing for like a week. And uh, basically, my dad had a little pasture in the backyard and I would drive laps back there just in a circle, no jumps, just circle all night, headlights on and just going, going, going. So I went from that to uh, 
my dad got us our own rancher quad and then we started beating the hell out of that thing breaking every part and then he ended up getting me uh my first race quad was a lt250 and then we went was from... he mad at you huh was he mad at you yeah oh he wasn't mad i mean i think he was impressed that i was breaking it and loved the sport you know he never said he was mad but an lt250 yeah, LT250 was our first actual race quad. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Little... <laughs> so we went from that to uh, what the heck? Yeah. And then we got a 250R. And then um, I think how it got really started with you guys was I had all the posters up when I was a kid of Eichner in my room, you know, with the Banshee at High Point. Everybody knows that shot. I think you yep. know it. All yep. the magazines, every kid that loves ATV racing and grew up back in what was that, the 90s, right? Yep. Yep. Every yep. kid has that poster of Eichner up in his room in the corner. And that's what I had. And with that chrome front bumper of Duncan Racing, you know, I think every kid had that up in his room. Even Dana tells me he had that up in his room too. Uh. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I just fell in love with Duncan and it just, you know, the guys always had the best bikes, and best parts and you looked apart, you know, <laughs> so uh, just, um, yeah, I fell in love with you guys. And so I just wanted to keep buying parts from you guys. And I remember my dad, uh, I think we bought a bike that was fully tricked out from you guys from Travis Kincaid. I don't know if okay. that was. I remember that Travis, guy. Travis Kincaid. And then uh, it was a full tricked out Lobo uh, Duncan racing bike. So that was our first bike. And then uh, that's how we got started with you guys. And then we made trips down to LA. We went to Roll's shop, Doug Roll. And then I think my dad took me down to your guys' shop. And uh, yeah, so we just kind of got introduced slowly but surely to you guys through that process. And you raced up in Northern California most of your early days? I did. Um, and it sucks because in Humboldt, where we're at, we're up 100 miles from the Oregon border, Humboldt County. Um, so the closest racetrack is five and a half hours away. So that is a long commute for any racetrack. So there was a local track that popped up when I was a teenager um, called Phillipsville. And uh, that's what got me and Dana both going, actually. So the two of us showed up there and we just started battling together from i think we were 14 years old for the last five years just racing it was me and him you know we had a full gate but it was always me and him you know back and forth back and forth and um yeah so we got started local because it was a local track unfortunately that track went under and then uh one year we we started getting pretty damn fast and everybody knew it so my dad um <laughs> funny story he there was a motorhome for sale locally. It was just a piece of crap. Winnebago. I don't even know what the heck it was, but bought the thing, bought a box trailer. We loaded up and then Dana, um, we threw his bikes in and we went back east to Loretta's and both of us raced back there and we both did very well. And that's when we both kind of got uh, everybody's attention. So and got hooked. Yep. And got hooked. Yep. That's pretty awesome. You remember what year that was? Uh, let's see. 
graduated in 2000. So that would have been like my freshman year. Uh, four years from that is 99, 98, 99, seven, like 96, 97, somewhere around there. Yeah, there is right. 97, 98. So we were traveling back there as well with, with, um, cause Eichner raced nationals from 95 to, um, 97. And then okay. Spader, then well, we with Spader. Yep. Eichner uh, wasn't there. I know that for sure, but Spader was. And me and Dana both, we both were sitting there because that was our first year to Loretta's and watch that was the year he won the championship too. And watching that guy just he was on fire that year. We were there. And I mean, just absolute talent when he won that with championship, that first one with you guys. Yeah. Absolutely amazing guy to watch. He was uh, one of a kind, super talented. And that's what kind of sparked both of us just going, watching him ride. It was amazing. Super talented dude. Nice. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, you rode pro from like 2001 to 2006? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think that's right. Or, yeah, because didn't you win the, didn't you win the, 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 the a title in 2001 yep and then went pro the next year which would be 2002 yep and honestly the first three years i think it was my best years out of the my career you know going into it into the pro season yeah going pro is is no 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 slouch i mean those guys were those guys were racing for blood dude you, you know, I was thinking about that with you and I'm, I haven't watched, you know, a lot of your podcasts and maybe touch bases on that, this topic, but dude, the, that era of the riders that were in that group when we were racing, I mean, to me, that was, dude, we're racing against what, like Travis Spader, Doug Gus, Jeremiah, Tim Farr, John Natale, Shane Hit. you can go on and on about the the quality and the championship riders that were in that and we were qualifying for the main events you know just to try to get in with these guys and uh that era of racing was by far i think you know one of the best atv eras of the time what is your thought on that uh yeah you have to you have to look at the level and the depth of the riding you know because you can you can go back to, you know, the early nineties and, and just start naming guys. And then you roll into the early two thousands, mid two thousands. And a lot of those guys that were in the early nineties are still there, you know, cause some of those careers spanned, you know, 25 years. And um, it, what the best part about it for me was you guys weren't racing for a huge paycheck. Not at all. Not in those days. Not one of them. Yeah, not one of them. Yeah, they were. You were racing for the love of the sport, and yeah. I think that's why I love it so much. Is because today you see some of the kids riding it, doing it because they think they're going to get a paycheck, and and most of the guys are not going to get a paycheck. There's a few people in the in the world that race ATVs that get it paid for. Everybody else is is paying. Yeah. You know, and nothing's changed. I mean, you got, you got to figure, uh, Gus got a contract with Suzuki at late in his career. 
uh, Bird got a contract. Uh, Tim Farr got to ride with, for the factories. Shane Hitt got to do some factory stuff. You, you know, there's a couple other guys that got to do some of the Suzuki stuff. Uh, but it, it really, you know, Kawasaki had had it. Can-Am had it. Um, Yamaha still is in, is the only ones that are still in. And I think they're still in because they are got a number one. I think when they don't have one anymore, they're not going to, I, I, who's going to take it away from them really, because well, just about everybody rides a Yamaha. But back to that. I mean, I know there's been great riders throughout the history and I've watched it growing up, you know, through a kid and having my idols and whatnot. But that time to me, when we were racing, um, you just had the, the amount of talent in that group in that time was just insane it really was if you look back at that quality of riders you just goes on and on and on i mean you had jason from the top guys down you still had jason i can remember one race lauren even told me this afterwards and it was at uh dan was it uh what's west virginia the track is that um mark Keene's place danville yep in yeah. Danville, the TT? I hated, I hated that track. Love the guy, but I hated that track. Freaking hated <laughs> that track, dude. Hated it. It was just hard-packed, blue-grooved, and fast, you know. Um, where I grew up, it was in Humble. It's just, it's more like, you know, Red Bud and uh, Macon, Georgia. I get to ride on a lot of sand and just loamy, loose dirt and rough. You know, that's what I'm used to. And I'd go back east and you get on these tracks that are just hard-packed fast and just rough as shit so we go to go there you know but anyways long story short i remember um lauren called me or i told him how i did and i said man i got like i don't know i was in the top 10 fifth six something at, at that race and he goes you let chad weenan pass you you know you let <laughs> i can remember that you know now look where chad weenan's at but uh, i can remember that call from lauren going chad Weenan, who's that you know <laughs> and uh you know that was right when chad was coming out um and uh yeah i can remember he passed me like three laps to go and i was going god damn it but um yeah so i i remember we were back somewhere um it was me you your dad somebody else um and i'm working on your bikes and and chad was over there at you know trying to get us to help him uh -huh. you know and it was just lauren just wasn't having it lauren wasn't there but lauren just wasn't having it you know and yeah. and uh now i think if you look back on it with 2020 maybe he would have you know right that's what i was getting at is yeah you know it's just funny how that works because yeah i can remember that too going dude chad just freaking blew right past me man and i got you know i didn't he was up and coming and going did i just really let him pass but um yeah so that it, it the stories that you know because you talk to the joe birds and you talk to you know natalie and you talk to some of these guys and they tell their story about you know riding with him and you know maybe it, he was always fast i mean everybody always rolls back to jeremiah and how fast he was and how far ahead of the curve in some ways he was. And then, you know, Chad was fast, but not developed. Yeah. 
and now he's developed. developed. Yep. And I remember you always telling me that, and I 100% agree with the ATV racing because you're always, I'm always like, how the hell does Doug Gust, when I was racing, he was ancient, you know, no, no offense, <laughs> to Doug <Gust>. but <laughs> you know, he's still blowing my doors off and beating me. And uh, you told me that with uh, the ATVs, it, it, it's a little, you know, the curve is a little more lenient with the age group, I think, you know, with the dirt bikes, um, with a few people. Um, and I think, I think that just becomes, you know, they become more experienced and more mature and they, uh, you know, become developed, like you said. And, uh, you know, I think there's a little more leniency with the age, with ATVs. I don't know what your thought is on that. But. Well, you look at, you look at most of the fastest guys in the world are all older. Yeah. And then you I mean. chart back, you chart back to the champions. Okay. And you start looking at ages. Gary Denton retired at 38 years old. Right. Doug Eichner, I believe, retired at 46. You know, Doug he wanted to go to 50, but he had a wreck and hurt himself. Natalie was older. You, you know, I mean, Gust was older. I mean, all of these great guys that you talk about, some of the European guys, they were all older. They're not. Go ahead. I was just saying, I totally 100% agree with you. And uh, looking now that I am older, I'm only 40, but uh, you know, I know what I was missing back then. I really do. And uh, you know, you wish, I wish I knew that back when I was, uh, you know, say my prime, those last few years of racing, what I needed, and what I was missing. Um, and I like touch bases on that a little bit. And what I mean by that is, uh, I can remember one race, I think it was uh, Illinois we were at. My dad was running the pit board. You weren't there. I wish you went to more races, by the way. That would have helped. But um, I remember my dad was running the pit board, and Lauren was at that race once. And I was just, you know, just not feeling it that weekend. And mm, I'd say I was running top 10, but towards back 10, I don't know what place I was in, eighth, ninth, something like that. And remember coming around about halfway through and I remember coming around getting ready to read the pit board and I could see Lauren grab the pit board out of my dad's hand <laughs> and writing uh what the hell did he write I can't remember and uh but anyways he just grabbed the pit board out of my dad's hand and wrote on there you know just giving me motivation is what I'm at and that's what I was missing a little bit is I needed if you or Lauren were at the track all the time and I could get that I needed that person behind me to some people don't need it. Some people do. And I, I believe I really did to push me that extra, that extra mile, that chip on your shoulder, that somebody pushing me to um, not say it's okay. When you come off the track, Hey, you did. Okay. You look fine. You know, just saying, Hey, you look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that person telling me how it is, how it was, and that was Lauren. You know, um, I spent a lot of time with you, but your brother was really good at that. He wouldn't shine a light on that. <laughs> like I said, he grabbed that pit board out of my dad's hand. I can't remember what the hell he wrote on it, but it sunk in, and I can't remember. But uh, basically, saying you're sucking ass, move it. <laughs> you know, um, and that's what I needed. I needed that chip on my shoulder. That you know, like Ricky Carmichael says, that I had a tiger. Yep, and that's missing my uh the last of my career i lost that eye of the tiger that hunting for the front pack and um 
being out there and just riding, you know, um, I think if I would have had that pushing, somebody pushing me a little bit more, um, being older and understand what I went through, I think that would have, that definitely would have helped my career a little bit, you know, uh, I needed that little push, so. Yeah, we, we all did, and, and, you know, as I get older, I get less tolerant of second place, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I don't think that I, radiate i think i radiate it when the riders come off the track now you know if we don't win i mean if we don't win because we just got out road and you gave it everything you got okay i get it you know wasn't your day but if we get fourth and you looked horrible and you know yeah i i'm not saying a whole lot i'm freaking throwing shit in the trailer and i'm uh, you know i'm not happy because yeah you know why did i work this hard you know and especially as you get older you realize how hard you're working how yep. hard all your team's working you can't let up you. yep yeah 100 and uh no i just i i just realized that you know just i think that was one key part just and ricky carmack i always hear him for some reason that sunken sinks into me when i hear him say that the eye of the tiger you know just having that eye of the tiger he's you'll hear him say that in supercross a lot and uh, to me that's just like that hits home to me like that's what i was missing when i was racing when i got that eye of the tiger and that little bit of you can't do it when somebody tells me you're not gonna be able to do it you can't do it um you're sucking ass you're you know, you can't beat him. You can't do that. That's, that's what gets me motivated. And that's what right. I needed. Right. Don't, you know, you can't put that together that way. Watch me, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Dude, we only got 20 minutes to the start of the race. There's no way you're going to make it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got two, we got 20 seconds to spare, you know, We're good. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love a challenge, you know, in, in 2019, at the end of the year, I stopped traveling uh, to the races, and um, we had some issues here at home that needed to be uh, taken care of. Um, we had a rider get injured at the same time, so it was kind of meant to be uh, to to be at home, um, and I miss it every day. You know, uh, do I think that the 90s and the 2000s early 2000s were the best of years for racing no because you got to figure i spanned from the the 90s all the way you know to 2019 it was it was 30 years and um it it was pretty phenomenal run uh, i can't uh i can't tell you that uh, any of it was better or worse uh, there was a couple sparse years but uh, I loved it all, you know, I loved it all. And it's funny. I talked to the young guys today and they find out that, that I was a mechanic back East and they're like, you, you, you used to come back here. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where you been, where have you been? Didn't you read the magazine? Yeah. Oh, there are no magazines anymore. <laughs> yeah. I know. And, uh, Dude, when you were you traveled a lot with us when we were doing the WPSAs, you went through quite a few of those with us. Remember that? Yep. And and uh, I was doing the WPSAs with you, and um, I was working with Doug. Um, 
I think we were doing works at that point. I don't yeah. remember what I don't remember what years. I think we were doing works, and and it, I was working with Doug. Um, I just don't remember what year it was exactly, but I was I was double duty. How is Doug doing? He's doing great. He moved to Arizona. Um, he's got a house over there. Got a different job. Um, you know, I mean, I, I just had him at my live show on Saturday. You know, Doug was the first ATV talk episode, and he was also um, the first um, live episode that we did. And um, you know, we had a little rough go when he when he made some uh, changes in his package uh, in his for his career. Um, but I'm glad that we're friends again. And, uh, you know, I probably consider Doug one of the closest people in the world. He, out of all the people in the world in the racing deal, he gets he gets what goes on in my noodle. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't think it's I don't think for the normal people and the normal riders, uh, they I don't think they understand what it takes to do some of the things that we do. You know, 100 percent agree with that. And what you know, you're touching on that subject. And one thing that made me, you know, I grew up with him and you're always trying to reach your icon of that superstar, the Superman, you know, when you're a kid and watching Eichner, for example, and that was what I was trying to reach, you know? And when I thought I was finally there, the shit, you know, Hey, I'm pro rider, you know, going to these races and I got invited to uh rendezvous you know for the first time yep remember that yep uh we went to loretta's which loretta's is the last race you know and i'm going into loretta's and we finished the race and i'm going sweet end of the season great year i'm going to flying out i think it was the next week to go to pendezvous and so anyways we went out and had a good time into the season we drink drink some beers went out had a good time you know thinking nothing of it going how hard can this race be i'm in top-notch shape um do all these motocross races never been to france you know i'm going it's just a freaking flat track race you know you know, you're just going out there hauling ass on a flat track and holy crap dude <laughs> <laughs> i was in for a damn shocker dude so i earned every respect i had for that man my first year there um absolutely a culture shock for what that race is dude and how many championships he's won what is it how many championships he's, he's won? won it seven times there you go dude absolutely amazing if i could get one of those i would have been a happy camper after racing that one time dude I, what was i passed out in the pits i think full uh meltdown body convulsions from passing out and uh yeah absolutely amazing what that dude's done on that race and that and, and that guy's carried all of his teams on the endurance yeah i mean just yeah. that race is brutal and that's one race i wish i could have brought my dad to to see i mean it's something different if you've never been there and uh definitely a cool race um so yeah the next year i went i packed a whole suitcase full of food because i learned <laughs> uh i don't like any other food and couldn't eat anything so i did a little better the next year but uh definitely that first year was a culture shock i was like Dude, this is this is the real deal. It's a tough, tough race. So to win that seven times, dude, is uh 
absolutely amazing. I think he's, I think he's, I, I don't know for positive. I think he's won it seven times and been on the box two or three times and then not been on the box a couple times as well. You know, yeah. so you're talking 10 to 12 times he's ridden it. And you know. amazing. I mean, I just can't put my, uh, it's just amazing that he's done that seven years. And, you know, it's just after racing it and being involved in it and knowing what can happen mechanically, because that's what happened two years in a row for us. And just the amount of endurance, what it takes, the mental part of that race. I mean, Dude, I tell you, like, I can remember hauling ass. I think it was a back straightaway, fourth, fifth gear wide open. And I'm following a trail of bikes through this section and just dust, can't see, just hauling ass, you know, 70 miles an hour. And here comes Eichner behind me, just blows by all three of us on the outside, just <laughs> blows right by us, gone. All right, dude. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty impressive, man. Well, you know, I got to race against him in, in the best in the desert series, you know, granted I, I, we were racing pro, but I was nowhere near his level, you know, and we're Vegas Torino. It's super windy, dusty, and all the dust is staying on the, the course. It's not blowing off. Usually you get it one way or the other, but it is right you know, you're, you're, you're having to count one, two, three, whatever your number is before you shut off because it's that dusty yeah. and Doug's in the, in the back of the box van with me and we're talking and, and there's a couple other riders and he's, and I'm asking him questions and he goes, well, you got to pick that number. And when you get to your number, shut off. He says, it's just that simple. He says, you have to judge, <laughs> you have to judge it for yourself. And I go, well, what's your number? And he goes, well, that's not important. And I go, well, yeah, but I, it's because it's not, is, right? yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not, his number is not important. You have to pick your own, you know, and, and I picked my numbers as I was rolling through the dust, you know, and every time I was getting to the shutoff point, the dust would break. And I was just like, wow, that's, and, and there's a rock or there's a turn or there was something. So it, it was, it was super awesome. Uh, I was riding with Alan, you know, big Al. Yeah, we led physically led 250 miles. And then uh, Stevenson and Eichner passed us. Uh, there was a mismarking and we got lost and but we were all in tow. So physically on time, I think that we were either in the lead or or in the running. Uh, Stevenson might have been he was physically leading, might've been in the lead. Doug was in second, but we were second in time uh, because we came up this long hill and all of us had dropped into the wash and cut a tire in the shale. We all cut the same left rear tire, all three of us. And we're all on the same uphill and I'm on that 660 Raptor and I'm reeling those guys in like they're tied to a fence post. It was so awesome because we come sliding into the pits, one, two, three, you know, and uh, Joe Graves was helping uh, our team and he's holding Eichner's lug nuts in his hand and he drops him in the dirt and runs over and picks up our bike and starts changing the tire. And uh, Doug is still mad about it today. 
It was it was incredible. I think we got a Wi-Fi freeze. You there? I don't know what happened. Your sound. Did you get the sound fixed? How about now? There you go. Good. We're back. We'll edit all that part out. How, where'd you lose me at? Uh, you were... Shit, I don't know. Backtrack. Keep going. Well, we were we we land we we all landed in a wash. We all cut the same rear tire. Yep. And then it was pretty awesome as we go up this long hill, graded road. And it's all uphill. That six sixty reeled those two guys in. It was so amazing, you know. And then when we get into the pits, Joe Graves, my mechanic, is holding Doug Eichner's lug nuts. Well, he sees me right behind him and he drops the lug nuts in the dirt. So his guy had to dig them out of the dirt and change our tire. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh, Doug was Doug was still Doug was so mad. It was unbelievable. <laughs> He's still mad to this day. If you bring it up to him today, he'll still be mad about it. Yeah. But dude, like you said with the dust, I just that guy had something. I don't know, dude, because I'm not kidding you. I remember that when he passed me, I'm going, there's no freaking way he could have seen where he was going or known. Like there was three of us in a line at Pond de Vue. I'll bet you were clocking 70 miles an hour, fourth, fifth gear pin, dusty as shit. And I just hear this banshee coming <laughs> right past all of us. But, but that's the thing. He could tell. He knew where he was. He knew what was there. Um, and, and, and I don't know how he knew, but he does. He just, yeah. he just had that, he just had that sense about him where he knew what was coming. He knew what, what, what terrain was there. Um, I mean, not every time did he pull it off, but I would say 98% of the time he did. Yeah. I mean, in my eyes, that race honestly is a man's freaking race, dude. I, I mean, I thought motocross and what I was doing going into it, I was like, dude, I'm top shape racing in America against the best guys. I, you know, what's the big deal? And went over there and um, we did really well. Uh, don't get me wrong. We were, I think we were running top three, I think when with a couple of mechanic failures and then we ended up blowing up with two or three laps to go. But uh, dude, it was just gnarly. I mean, it <laughs> took everything I had <laughs> to finish those races in the night time was yeah, it was brutal, dude. It really was. And for him to win that seven times, uh, hand, hands down to him, man. So, well, at night, he was faster at night than he was during the day. I know. And that's what, uh, Lauren, I, I when I was there, because I have bad vision, I honestly never rode at night. You know, I do motocross. You know, we know every turn, groom tracks, every jump. <laughs> and, uh, right. I honestly haven't done any night racing. You know, I just never done desert, never done that. I was, groom tracks and know my tracks and 
Um, so that was a different experience. And as soon as the night came, man, I think my lap times fell off just horrible. I remember. And, uh, poor Chad, Chad Laura was my teammate. And, uh, I think, I think Lauren made the call. He's like, Chad, you're going to have to freaking ride. <laughs> that was just sucking ass, right? Now. <laughs> I think Chad had to end up riding twice as long as I did. I think that night, cause I was just, my lap times were falling off and, um, so Chad stepped it up, but I, I think, honestly, I think that first year we were running third place when we blew up, uh, with two or three laps to go. And yeah, it was kind of a disappointment. We were, we were up it, there. Where are you guys on? You were on a YFC 450. Yeah, we were. Yep. And the oil catch can failed. Yep. Pumped all the oil out of it. Yep. And we were going down that straightaway, you know, right by the mechanics right at the end when it failed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I remember that because that that race and that moment of that 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 failure has set precedent on how you work on the Yamahas, you know. I mean, you know, with the oil tank stuff that you did when you were riding them and the catch can the, the routing of the of yep. the hoses and all that. I wish now that uh, because now we have just a catch can that catches the oil. And it's aluminum, so it doesn't break. And it just feeds it right back into the motor. And it's big enough, so you don't have to put an oil tank on it. You don't have to do any crazy stuff. It yeah. just it just puts it all back. But for us, what a devastating, you know, for me and Chad and you guys and the team for all that effort that we put in and um, doing that long race and just to come up short with two laps to go, I think, honestly, is all we had with that whole race. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know if we were on the box or not, but, I mean – I can't honestly remember. I know we were close, but I don't honestly remember. But we were doing pretty good. Well, yeah, because that bike got shipped to the States. We built an exhaust pipe for it. Alan and, and an air filter kit and Alan and I installed the pipe. You know, I built the pipe. We, we, we put it on. We uh, tuned the machine for what we could in the, the parking lot, my little test track there. And I think we wore a set of stock tires out testing it. And then, uh, that bike got shipped back to the UK. So it was, if we would have only known that that oil catch can, you know, was going to fail. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we would have done something different and they did in the, in the, in the future, they, corrected that issue but gosh it was just heartbreaking to, to have that who was do you remember uh eichner uh, that year i raced eichner's teammate on the banshee from over there do you remember his name i don't remember doug and i just had this conversation he's ridden with Earhart, uh mitchell uh winrow spader um and now i can't remember the the, the it was a young kid, younger than I was when I was racing. It was, it was probably really Mitchell. Good. Yeah, really good kid. Yep, he's really fast. Yep. He was the British champion for a couple times, a couple years. Yep. Great kid. Yeah. Um, and there was somebody else that he rode with that I'm forgetting, and I, I feel bad now that I just talked about it on Saturday um, with Doug, you know, and, and – yeah, I, I, I was pretty awesome. I got to be there in 93 when we won our first championship. Lauren wasn't even there. Yeah. If he had something family come up and he couldn't make it. Yeah. 
honestly, out of all the racing I did, that would be one I would love to get a championship in. I would love to go back and if I could and do that one just because it was so freaking hard for me. And I was just culture shock, you know. I would love to go back more prepared and and uh, it was a fun race. It just was fun for me. I enjoyed it having a teammate and uh it was a group effort, you know, it just wasn't uh individual. It was, you know, Lauren out there and just the whole team and it was just a freaking man's race, dude. It was. <laughs> Brutal, dude. It, You've never uh, got to do Vegas Torino, have you? I haven't. That well, I turned down all those, dude. I'm like, yeah, I got I got invited to the 500 a few times, a thousand, whatever. And every time I turned it down, I'm like, dude, that's just not me. I can't do it. <laughs> not not knowing the course and not knowing where I'm going. I'm like, yeah, I'll stick to my motocross, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you guys have the glory, dude. I'll let you guys have the glory. So. Uh, I loved, I love that. You know, I used to hate desert in the beginning, and now desert and off road to me is, it's almost more fun. I mean, it's just as hard to prep the bike. It's just as it's harder to deal with the um, rider, not being able to see your rider, um, but it's almost more gratifying when you go win a race that, you know, is an hour and a half, you know? Yep. 100%. Yeah. I mean, when you go race a 20 minute moto plus two laps, eh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, great. I mean, those guys are badass. You can't take anything away from them. I mean, I never no. would, the, you know, Chad and Joel are probably the two fastest guys in the world right now. Yeah. And I know that Chad could come and race off road and probably win. Joel probably could too, but they might get tired their first time trying it yeah and it's just totally different ball game dude <laughs> as i can tell from experience i think they would you know probably win maybe you know if everything went well their way but going from it's just that's all you do and that's your life of motocross 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 and your training and then if you haven't done that you'll do well and if all the stars line up you know and and you do well yeah I, I think any of them could win you know those races but uh when you're somebody like eichner where you've won all those races and seven times of uh, i mean that just that's a true champion you know <laughs> after experiencing those and knowing what you have to go through to do those it's uh it's it's a lot dude <laughs> well think about think about this he's won at the pro motocross level one in yeah. the open motocross, mm -hmm. one in the off-road. I don't think he ever won a TT race in the premier 250 class, but he did in the open, you know? Yeah. Um, he won in the endurance in Pondevu. He's won Baja. You know, he's won the, the score title. He's won best in the desert title. Uh, he won a motocross title on the West Coast, you know, a couple of them. So, I mean diversification the only other guy that was that diverse was dean sundahl yeah might be right with that huh you know i won a stadium the mickey's title too yeah so i mean that's that's what i mean he doesn't get enough credit for uh you know because at least in my era like most of it was just motocross it's all you saw in the magazines you know and that's all you heard of is motocross and that's what i i did but uh 
you know, once you experience some of the races of what he went through and some of the others, but it's, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. I feel like, you know, for what, how diversified he was and who that guy was and what he did for the sport, you know, um, in my eyes, he, he was always my icon. And, um, that's why I always, I was a dream to ride for Duncan when I was a kid was because of him. So, well, that's um, pretty awesome. Yeah. And just, uh, and yeah, that's what I mean by thinking I could go in and just whoop his ass, you know, (laughs) 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 it was a huge culture shock going, well, this old man might have something for me. So, (laughs) so, so when he bloodied your nose and told you to sit back down, boy, yeah, understood. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of (laughs) listen. Yeah. Yeah. He's earned, he's earned that. So. Oh yeah. I, I, uh, I got to race Pondevue twice and, and, uh, loved every minute of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to take my father. My father went to all the races, you know, um, but that was one he never made it to. And I was told, I was like, man, you would have loved it. Just seeing the difference of that race and what it, well, the, the spectators. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Really, really still cool. huge crowds. Yeah. You know, I mean, we get no spectators comparative to that in any race in the States. Yeah. And the acknowledgement, even before the race, you know, going through town and doing all that stuff. It's really neat. It's a one of a, one of a lifetime kind of opportunities. And I got to experience it a couple of years. So grateful of that. And that a lot it, of respect for uh, the man, the champ who's won it, you know, seven times. So. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the French are still mad because they don't have a champion that's won it that many times. Yeah. Yeah. I think the closest anybody else has ever come is three. Well, they got a long ways to go. Yeah. <laughs> and most of them retire out before, before they can go anymore, you know, cause they get older. Um, there's some still some really old guys that are running, uh, running the race, you know, but they're not multi-time champions, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. I think it is, you know, I do too. And that's why I said, I got to experience the actual race and ride with him and be around the pits with him and see his, uh, calm mannerism and just how he handles the whole situation. It's, it's, uh, it was an eye opener for sure. <laughs> well, y- you know, you're he still has a burr under his saddle for you. You know why, right? Uh-uh. The first works race we ever. Oh yeah, seen. no idea. I smoked him, huh? Yeah, you did. Didn't he crash or something though? He did. Okay. He did. He did crash right off the start. I think I remember. He I crashed. I, in all fairness, I crashed too. I did. Yeah, you were. He was leading. He crashed. You passed him, but he never. He could never make the ground back up. Okay, well there you go. I have I have the first works race ever because yeah yep. we were that I beat Eigner. So there you go. Yeah. Trust me, when we do the trivia, nobody knows. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know? the first works ever. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I got something to say there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're in the same we're in the same group because I won the amateur race at the works yep perfect you know i won the first pro-am at a works race too nice yeah 
when when they when the trivia comes up on that, and then they ask, "What were you riding?" They go, "I was riding a KFX seven hundred V twin." Oh damn! <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I know. What was I thinking? Right? You weren't that's the problem. <laughs> hey, it was a fun bike to ride. Really was. Just was. I remember that trip. That was an awesome trip. I think uh, we took the box van up. Lauren always called that his uh, what Ferrari, the box van. Yep. It's like that's my Ferrari. That thing was one of a kind. That box van. You guys don't have it anymore, right? Yeah, we still have it. You really sitting in the field right down here? Oh my gosh! Yeah, that thing was epic. Still loaded. We're still ready to rock and roll. Um, wow. It needs. It probably needs a tranny and a motor um, and. And we were coming back from Havasu one year and I have, I was driving, Doug was in the passenger seat and Danny Ray was in the, in the rumble seat and we hit a trailer tire in the, that was in the road. And after that, the box van's never been the same. <laughs> Dude, the history of that box van though, if you look at the, you know, from Spader on all the history of what that thing's been through. Oh yeah. yeah. I've had it. I've had it all over Mexico, all over Nevada, doing best in the desert stuff. It was all over. Never get rid of that thing. Don't get rid of that thing. Yeah. I've had it at the works races. You know, I mean, it's traveled. Doug and I drove the thing to Idaho to race in the works race in Idaho. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't even know how many miles are on it. I think the speedometer broke. All these kids are buying the, you know, sprinter vans and all this shit. I think the, Box vans are going to make a comeback anyway, so you have a, a replica of retro, retro. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, it needed a new wrap 15 years ago, and it's still got the same red, white, and blue on it. The little uh, stripes from the 80s going down the side. Yep. Still got them, you know. <laughs> still got some of the stickers on it that when, when you were uh, in it yeah don't lose that dude yeah that thing's yeah i got a lot of memories and history behind that thing oh yeah i used to love it because we would always be late to the always be late to the locals and we'd drive in and practice was getting ready to start or already started and doug would be yelling at me because we were late and we'd pull in and you could just see some of the other pros going you know oh man really can't you guys go home you know (laughs) yeah it it was a it was such it was such a good time you know and then we we, you transfer to to now when you go to the races i got a i got the same pickup basically um that i drove to the races for works for 10 years you know i pull in in the same pickup and I got a little dual axle trailer for the last four or five years that I pulled behind it. And, you know, it was all just white, no decals, no nothing, just a white truck with a white trailer. <laughs> yep. You know, half the time I don't even put them easy up, up anymore. I just go in there, do my thing, you know. Perfect. Yeah, it's it's changed a bit, you know. Um, yeah, so I was just going to ask you, fill me in on what, what do you think ATV racing is now? Because I've been out of the loop, I'm not going to lie um tell me where you think the sport's at right now i think the sport's on an upswing right now i think covid did help it um i think the economy from from the end of 16 to uh present day um maybe maybe not right now the economy but 
the the four year swing that we had that was a boost really really helped the ATV world, and then COVID even helped it even more. Um, your resurgence in your youth in your youth is good. Uh, one of the problems you have is there's only one manufacturer. You know, I think they need to go back to um, hybrids, basically. Like we did when we started, yeah. Kind of, you know, where we were, we were using a production engine, but we were using aftermarket chassis. I think what you're going to end up with, I think sooner than later, you're going to end up with uh, motorcycle engines with aftermarket chassis. You know, I mean, you're not going to decrease the cost any, that's for sure. I mean, you've been in it longer than I have. And that's what I tell people nowadays, but I honestly don't know. But uh, that's where I kind of get out of it is it's kind of going back to like what it was when uh, I first started racing. You know, it was all hybrids and um, aftermarket chassis. We were doing this and that. And then, you know, three years into my racing career, four years, that's when the factory started coming in back in. I just see it doing a revolving kind of circulation i don't know well, what your thought is on that but uh, you know when, when when the factories came back when you were there it didn't hurt us that bad i mean they didn't help the aftermarket guys but they didn't they didn't just stab us in the back and kill us the last time they came in they devastated the aftermarket guys they didn't go to any of the aftermarket guys they didn't care about us they didn't try to ha you know have us help them know what the sport's about they uh they just kind of came in and just you know rough shot charge you know paid a bunch of salaries and the guys like us you know we're just step back and go hey and knock yourselves out see you later you're talking the right when i got out no because they, they they came back they went away they came back and they went away and then they came back again okay you know and the last time they came back was only for a real short time but they, 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 they didn't, they didn't help us any, and maybe they didn't go away. They just Suzuki went away and, you know, Honda dissipated some and then Can-Am came in and messed things up really bad because they paid a bunch of money. And, and well, when I was right, when I got out, when I quit was, I feel like right at the peak at least my career, you know, um, we had all the top factories in the sport. And then, um, I mean, the top five guys were making pretty good money when I got out of it, you know, all the top, you know, factory guys were in it right when I got out. And then I feel yeah, like, I don't, I don't know what year Joe signed with Honda, but Joe's told me and, 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 uh, gave me some numbers that were, pretty ridiculously high mm -hmm. you know so he made good money um gust made really good money you know uh, i think a couple other guys made some fairly fairly good money i know chad at one point probably made some good money mm -hmm. um, he probably doesn't do bad now but he's he keeps what money he makes in house he does he does a lot of his own work uh, which keeps the money in his pocket versus other people's so that so he's been smart you know he educated himself about how to do the things and how to uh to make his program better um use the right people at the right times to teach him and then 
when when he needed the money to stay in his pocket, he kept it and kept some of their secrets. I mean, do I agree with that? Totally, no. But you know, it is it is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Joel rides for a team that's a motorcycle team, also. Um, so they have this, a 250 Supercross or a outdoor motocross team and a Supercross team. Um, and that's who pays for Joel Hetrick's uh, program. And everybody else, I believe, is out of pocket. You know, which is tough, but hey, I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. You know, in the works uh, out here on the West Coast, he, Bo Barron um, has good sponsors, but still some of it's coming out of pocket for him, too. You know, and none of the other guys in works, I believe, have a have a ride that pays. It's all out of pocket. You know, they might get some help, but maybe product help, but they're, they're not making any money. You know. All right. One minute potty break and I'll be right back. All right. Let me pause this thing. <clears throat> well, we're back. All right. So I, I want to ask some questions about the last few months of your career mm -hmm. and you know we went to that first wpsa you whole shotted uh you ended up second in the first moto that kind of energized us for a little while but it never seemed to manifest the way that it should have Correct. Do I 100% agree. Was, was it so? Was uh, that uh, Gatorback? Is that what you're talking about? No, we were in London, Kentucky when you did that. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, first round, the TV guys didn't even talk to us. Yeah. And then you pull off the whole shot and, and lead, you know, factory Gus for a number of laps and then uh he passed you and you followed him for the rest of the race and none of the rest of the guys challenged you mm -hmm. you know and then uh i believe we raced the second moto the next day or no we had another moto that day and then we had a second race the next day you know and it just never it never evolved the way I expected it was going to. Yeah, I would, uh, I'd have to agree with that, Lenny. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that year was just hit or miss, you know? Um, and looking back at that, I can honestly, honestly say that I think, I, I think it was the amount of effort I was putting into it personally, you know, um, I was my own trainer. I didn't have anybody with me, you know, uh, my father gave everything he could to me, you know, um, and my parents, my mom, whatever they could to support my, uh, career with racing. And I think it was the amount of effort I gave into it with that, uh, looking back on it gave a lot to it but i know there could have been more you know looking back and the amount of money and now that i'm doing it with my own son and um 
you know, I'm kind of going back through the whole thing. And now I'm my father, you know, my father's son doing it with him. And uh, it was amount of effort I put into it. You know, I don't think I was training as hard as I could have been, you know, um, I was training, but I know I could have done a lot, a lot more training. You know, I think I was getting tired in the end of the motos. Um, I think, like I said, reiterating what I said to you earlier about, uh, you know, not putting blame on anybody about myself, but, uh, I really did need that person pushing me. You know, I was one of those people. Some people don't need it. Some people do. Um, basically what I'm saying is I think if I had a coach, you know, if I had you on my side, you know, it just didn't work out back then, you know, it, it, you know, we're not the dirt bike industry. We don't have endless amount of money and sponsors and support. And, um, but if I could have had you or Lauren at the races and, or, or support behind me, pushing me to that next 5% that I needed, you know, I had the talent. I no hands down. I had the talent to do it. It was just that extra 5% to break me from being a top 10, top five rider to that top three, you know, um, having that extra, I needed that person pushing me, you know, basically is what I'm getting at, you know, um, but the blame comes down on me and I know I just, I wasn't putting the time in, but I was doing laps, not putting in, especially when you see it nowadays with kids and what they're going through, especially in the dirt bike industry with what I'm watching with my son at a young age going, dude, this is insane <laughs> what they're going through, but that's what it takes. And, and as you get older, you understand what you didn't do or did do. And, uh, I know that's what I was missing. I just didn't, didn't give it that, uh, that extra oomph that I should have. You know. The top three or four guys at that time when you were racing were doing that. Yeah. They were putting that in. They were giving that heart and soul. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, um, I'm not saying I didn't. That was my dream. But looking back and being honest with myself, I, I know I could have gave him more, you know, just knowing those days that I wanted to go out with my friends or go drinking or partying with them, you know, where I should have been not doing that, you know, um, the amount of effort you guys were putting in my parents, everybody, um, to give it that extra, you know, but when you're in your twenties and flying out with West Miller to Africa and Hawaii and you know, traveling around the United States and, you're in your twenties. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to, uh, to hound down on a 20 year old, you know, when, uh, when you don't have that person hovering over you, like you need you know, to a certain degree, holding you to your own going, dude, you got, but knowing, knowing now that, that what you needed, then you may not have reacted properly. Totally. 100%. Yeah. You, know, you, you think a guy like me that snaps the whip and goes, Hey, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. You're like, Hey, I'm doing what I want to do. Get well, exactly. For instance, uh, we'll say Dana, you know, Dana Creech, one of the most talented ATV riders I've ever watched race or ride hands down. Like you watch him ride and he does stuff like you're like, dude, James Stewart style, you know, where yeah. did that come from? How did you do that? But uh, if somebody would have hounded him in his prime, 
I, exactly what you're saying. I don't think it would have turned out well, you know, for him either. You know, uh, everybody's their own character, and um, he's doing fine. But I honestly think if somebody Dana was around the right, um, you know, it would have been a tough thing with him too because he was a wild child. I think I'll say it. He might not like me to say that, but right. <laughs> he was. You know? uh, but if he was around more of, uh, say, you know, Duncan Racing or somebody that kind of well, held him. He would have he would have lasted longer if he would have been disciplined. Yes, that's what I'm getting at. Yep. He he didn't have discipline, and he didn't have discipline in his program, and nobody nobody put the hammer on him. Yeah, yeah. He just he he would have been unstoppable if he had that and did the training. He uh, truly was a one of a kind rider. I mean, he just was kind of lacking that. But uh, to get back to the point, like you said, it it. Now that I know, I just needed that person to give me that eye of the tire, get me angry, get me fired up, tell me what I'm doing shitty and push me to my limits. You know, I just needed that person to, to push me. I really did. Um, you know, some people have that and can do that themselves, you know, with training and have the self-discipline, say Eichner, for example, or whatever, you know, whoever you want to say. But uh, I personally think that's what I was lacking you know the last year or two because my mind wasn't in it 100 percent um you know uh, i've been doing a long time at that point traveling from the west coast uh you know all the fame and you know you say fame but it you take it for granted and you start traveling and it just starts wearing on you you know i'm traveling every nine days getting on a plane traveling back east and um, going back and forth and then trying to raise a family, get that going. Um, just my mind wasn't in it, you know, and I needed that extra coaching to push uh, me. Do you think that the onset of the family life, you know, starting, you know, you were going to get married, you know, do you think that had any heavy weighing on your mental decision? 100%. You know, um, you I was going to bring that up and I quickly wrote down like uh, why I made that decision that day you called me and I put them in quick order of like four cent, you know, four quick things. And it's probably in the wrong order, <laughs> you know, but I'm just going to just say how it came to my mind, you know, and people would be like, well, that's reverse order. Why are you thinking that? But that's what came to my mind. Um, I wrote down shower, Jeremiah, not fun, a job and pressure, all in one sentence, and then family. You know, and most people have said, well, why is family not first? But I don't know if that's just what came to my mind right away. Um, and shower was number one, <laughs> which probably makes no sense to anybody. But I remember getting in the showers, you know, before we'd fly out that last season. And that was after, you know, Matt Bartosik deal and watched the guy in Gatorback, the young kid, pass away. And then, um mark Keene's place the kid pass away and and then you called me with jeremiah um but i remember getting in the shower that last season before i'd fly out going god i hope i make it home in one piece you know and that's just what sunk into me first going and i always told myself that and everybody does that when you start thinking that you need out you know you're already thinking that and so that's what I wrote down first going, you know, that was the main reason I can remember getting in the showers before I'd fly out going, God, I hope I make it home in one piece. Um, 
And Jeremiah was the second reason why I quit, you know, when he called me that day. And then just not having not having fun and just the pressure of, uh, you know, just uh, letting you guys down, my sponsors and family, you know, when I wasn't doing as well as I should have been that last season. Um, and then my family, yeah, I was just, you know, in that time when you call me with Jeremiah, I was getting married, bought a piece of property, um, building a house, just huge future ahead of me, you know, and then when you call me with Jeremiah's incident, it just, I was actually up at my property, building my house, and working on it. And uh, when you call me with Jeremiah's accident, it just, it just devastated me to hear that about him. You know, um, he was one of a kind and just, I'm sure you've had a few interviews with other people with him and just the guy was unreal, dude. Uh, he, it's a, he was a superhero and just to hear your, main competitor and somebody like that just what happens it just at that point in my life I just when you call me I just said you know I'd be wasting your guys's time money effort my mind's already the last year out of it you know I'm going up showing up riding the laps not putting in my full effort and wasting everybody's time you know um it was a hard decision to quit halfway through the season like that. I've never done it, you know, and uh, I've had, had a lot of regret, not regret, but just what's the right word, you know. Um, regret is a regret is, is the right word. Okay. Just, you know, I mean, because if it weighs that heavy on you, you're regretting the decision and you're contemplating, did I make the right one? And there's no right answer and there's no wrong answer. You have to live with who you are as a man and where you come from. And nobody can second guess you, um, you know, your wife, your dad. Maybe those two could have something to say to you about it. But on the outside, yeah, your sponsor, I wasn't your sponsor. I was just the mechanic that got to work with you uh, off and on throughout the years. It was disappointing for me um, because I thought the world of you too. And I thought we had a bright future. I didn't think it was going to end anytime soon. Um, so I was shocked. Um, and Lauren, I don't know how long it took Lauren after we got off the phone for him to get on the phone with your dad, but it, I don't think it took long. <laughs> You know, and I don't know, did you tell your dad right away? Uh, honestly, I don't remember. You know, I can't, no, I don't know if I did or didn't. Yeah, couldn't answer that. I don't remember. He just, you just didn't go to the race and he was just like, oh. I'm pretty sure I called him, you know? Yeah, because he was at all the races. I'm sure I did because, you know, my dad, he was there. He was at every race. And so, yeah, I had to make that call. I'm sure. So, and he probably just said, "Okay, son, whatever." You, yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, I don't, I don't remit even honestly remember what that conversation would have been or not. You know, um, my dad always supported me. You know, so maybe that's why I don't remember that. And uh, I'm fortunate to give. You know, they gave me that opportunity in life to make that decision. You know, um, 
to have the future that I had to make that decision. You know, they gave me the opportunity to have a business, the opportunity to have my, um, my family in my house and just to give me that opportunity to make a choice between, you know, uh, racing and, and what I chose. Um, do I regret making that choice? <sighs> That's a tough call. Uh, I still hold that with me. Um, if I have to be honest, I would say yes, I do regret it. Um, and I hold that with me just because of, uh, you know, I gave my whole life to the sport and I got the opportunity to ride for you guys, um, which was my dream with Duncan and, you know, Rural Design and Elka, all the sponsors I had were just top notch at that time. And you guys and um, had all the support behind me, even though I wasn't doing that well, you know, in the sport, say, you know, I was still always top 10, but I should have been up there in the podium, you know, for you guys. And uh, yeah, I wish, you know, do I regret it? Yeah, but at the same time, um, it's a choice I made and I'm glad to get it out, you know, off my chest. I've been kind of holding it, you know, haven't talked to you guys in 20 years since then. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Long. Yeah, not at all. I just kind of walked away from the sport and uh, hung it up. And I honestly said, I'll never let my kids ride. I'll never let this and that. And uh, to be honest, we're back in the sport. My son absolutely loves racing. <laughs> um, and it is such a good feeling to be back in it and around the people again. Um, we're traveling like hell. Went to Mammoth, went to all the qualifiers. Uh, we just got back last weekend from Washougal up at Ryan Villapoto's camp. Ronnie Mack was up there and a bunch of people. And uh, he is riding really, really well. And um, just the smiles and um, I know what I've been missing. Um, it's a love hate relationship. This sport is man <laughs> for me. Um, let let me ask you another question, not to interrupt that thought. Yep. How, how's your wife handle it all? Because I know she was there with you at the end and she was there with you as a, as a girlfriend during your racing career. How's she with the, with the racing, with the sun? You know, we got married right when Jeremiah, that happened when you called me. So that was a big, probably part of it too. We were getting married that next weekend. You know, we just bought this property and working on it. And she's been around the sport since I started <laughs> seeing everything, you know? Um, and uh, we wore Jeremiah's wristbands at our wedding, you know, his, his, uh, you know, little bands they gave out for him and support. And we wore those and took pictures with those at our wedding. Um, I think she was on the same page with me, but, you know, as far as we both said, I, I love the sport, but I just don't want our kids to race. I know, you know, and, and this and that, but um, she saw the, she's into it she wasn't <laughs> long story short she wasn't into it at all me and him went traveling for about a year i would say especially with covid it was just me and him traveling and red riding and racing and now she has been at every race every event <laughs> hasn't missed a damn race um yeah she's she's uh i would have to say 
seeing what his passion is and i could say that like he absolutely loves it so <laughs> i think she's seeing that and um what do you tell somebody with that you know um you know the consequences you you tell your son the consequences and um you know it's just part of the sport it's a love hate and i don't know how to explain it but it is you know the consequences you know what can happen but there's something to say about the sport and uh, i'm glad to be back a part of it honestly i've been missing it and being back in it has given me uh i don't know how to word that but just it's revamped me again man i've been missing it <laughs> yeah I've been a little bit of again you got a little bit of closure yeah and a, a new opening in a way in a sense you had to see my son and telling him he can't do it not gonna do it <laughs> and uh yeah i guess that's that's yeah so is there a quad in the future possibly dude i bought him a uh 250 raptor fully i bought it up in uh albany they were racing up there lobo chassis didn't got didn't have your guys's motor i'm sorry but uh it was a good deal bought the thing and uh he had it for about two years we went up to coos bay riding and done a couple races and dude he wadded the thing up i'm not kidding you three times in one race crash thing just do 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 so uh yeah i don't know if it was him thinking he needed to push his limits to be his dad or what the deal was um but i'm like did you get off that thing so um got him on two wheels and uh you know the sport of two wheels like we're just enjoying it because i did four wheels my whole life growing up and i still love it you know i still have the quad i still have my you know one of my practice bikes with all your guys stuff on it um we still ride it but uh the sport right now and two wheels with the age group he's in is just unreal. The talent. I mean, it's just stacked full gates and uh, we're really enjoying it because it's a new challenge because um, I suck on two wheels and I have a bike. Uh, we're riding together and just doing a new adventure together right now. So that's incredible. Yeah. Tavis, I want to say thank you so much for you. Uh, reaching out to me and, and and allowing me to have you on the show and and get you to tell your story. Um, I've waited a long time to hear it. Um, and I know that there's other people. I've had many people reach out to me and ask when you were going to come on and, and talk. And um, I couldn't answer the question because I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't get a hold of you. Yeah. And, you uh, know, I, I would love to do maybe a, I don't know if it's possible, but maybe a, another deal just to revamp on some of the topics of, you know, if that's what people are wanting to really dive into or some of the other issues, but uh, I could dive deep, you know, with it and give some more, you know, more exact reasons of why and what, but, uh, you know, we touched on it. Um, well, I'd love that. I'd love that. And again, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it and thank you for your time and thank you for pushing me to get my story out. There's a lot more to it, you know, and I hope we can touch bases on on the rest of it. But uh long story short, I'm uh you're back. Reached out. So you're back. Yep, I'm back, man. <laughs> That's awesome. 
The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.